The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge with your host, Marsha Zeidel. Learn to create a growth agenda to get your business on the right track and keep it there. Rev up your growth engine with exceptional talent and develop the right kind of leadership to move it forward fast. Now, here is Marsha Zeidel. Welcome to The Business Edge, giving practical advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders and how to take your company, firm, or practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth. I'm Marsha Zidal, your Smart Moves Coach, getting you on the right track and making sure you don't get sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability. Let's start today's program with a Smart Moves quote. Stephen Covey, author of The Seven Habits, said, Management is efficiency in climbing the ladder of success. Leadership determines whether the ladder is leaning against the right wall. So, listeners, you may think you are successfully climbing that ladder or building your business, but is your ladder leaning against the right wall? Are you focused on what's important? Now to our program. In today's fast-paced and ever-changing business environment, my guest, Dr. Pat Williams, says, successful leaders cannot be good at what they do, I mean, just good at what they do, or only use what they know. They will only, that will only take them so far. To be a successful business leader, you must do two things well. First, distinguish what's essential from what's not, And second, innovate, do new things, and do things in new ways. One of the early pioneers of coaching, Dr. Pat, as he's called, has worked with Hewlett-Packard, IBM, Kodak, and other companies along the front range of Colorado. He started his own coach training school, the Institute for Life Coach Training, which I'm a graduate that specializes in training those with a human service orientation. Pat has had many honors, but the one that I want to focus on is in May of 2006, Pat was awarded the first Global Visionary Fellowship by the Foundation of Coaching for his Global Village Initiative to bring coaching practices to villages in developing countries and to leaders of nonprofit, non-governmental organizations who serve them. Welcome, Pat. It's a delight to have you on the program. Um, so let's get started on how to become a successful business leader, technical versus adaptive. Well, Pat, can you describe the difference between technical leadership and adaptive leadership? 
Yeah, this has become a real important part for me these days. After years of decades of actually coaching people, this language came to me from uh, the Cambridge Leadership Institute at Harvard. And a technical leadership is when somebody who's in charge uh, or somebody who can get the technical know-how to fix a problem. We have the skills, the techniques, the uh, resources to fix the problem. Like it could be bookkeeping or it could be software or it could be employment, and you, you kind of know what to do. Adapting leadership, <laughs> which most people need to be well-versed in, is dealing with the constant change that comes unpredictably. So an area that you might have to adapt is that which you didn't expect, a changing environment, uh, changing customer base. Maybe there's some problem in the, uh, it could be from a physical plant to employees to just the buyer's environment. And to adapt means you don't yet know what you're going to do. There's not a guidebook here on fixing the problem. So adaptive leadership means you need to be comfortable with not knowing and figuring out choices that have not been before you uh, in the past. So, um, as you said, there's no guidebook. So what is a leader to do? How does a leader develop that adaptive leadership? Well, the smart way is to realize that a person who's in a position of leadership is not the only person who can uh, evolve leadership. One of the common statements in this new concept of adaptive leadership, and by the way, there is a book written with that title by Ron Heifetz and Marty Linsky, who I, I learned from. A leader needs to understand that they, leadership can be anybody who steps up to help solve the problem. So leadership is not always seen as a position. It's seen more as an activity, mm-hmm. seen more as an occurrence, and anybody can be part of the solution. So a smart leader will involve their customers or their employees in a discussion around what is becoming, what needs to happen for a challenge that's, a, that's present right now. And... And, and so, the, you know, I think many leaders feel that success is only on their shoulders, that they have to solve the problem. Right. Uh, but I'm hearing from you that really the leader may be more of a facilitator of bringing people together to solve that problem. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the smart way. And actually, over the last many decades, uh, all the stuff on leadership from theory X, theory Y, and Deming approach, et cetera, uh, you can tell how far back I go. The smart <laughs> leaders, and you even mentioned Stephen Covey, the smart leaders realize they're not the constant problem solvers. They really are the facilitator of solutions from the wisdom that surrounds them. The people who get in trouble are those who feel they have to solve the problems and they have to get the knowledge and they'll They'll burn themselves out or they'll micromanage and burn their employees out. Right. And so can you um, give additional, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about the situations which you would use technical leadership and, and adaptive leadership, uh, but can you give some other examples of that? Um, yeah, yeah, let me give you an early one because you mentioned that, you know, I got my start in coaching back when I lived in Colorado and I was referred to, coach a lot of CEOs of some of the major corporations who were just expanding in Colorado, like Kodak. It was the first plant outside Buffalo, New York. Hewlett Packard, the first plant outside California. So we had people moving from New York and California to a small town in Colorado, and that was a challenge. And so some of the coaching was about adapting to a new, you know, not rural, but certainly not big city approach. And some of these employees 
had to learn to live in a new community, uh, work for the same company, but it was a different environment. Uh, the, the book at the time that was popular was called Transitions by William Bridges. And, and William yes. Bridges talks about three stages of change, which today would be called adaptive leadership. And that is going from what was to what is true now so that you can get to what will be. So the what was was here's what my life was like in Buffalo, New York, and I was near family and we were near big city and but now in Colorado, it's like this, and my office is decorated differently, and they don't want me to put my Yankees memorabilia <laughs> on the wall. So you have to start thinking that, what is this transition point? And that's the what is true now. Mm-hmm. Hover in that area for a while and then move to what will be, which is designing what's going to come. It's not going to be predictable. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense, and I can give you an example for where I live, which is in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. And um, there have been companies who have moved here from the East Coast, like Penny's, or the West Coast, which was Arco, which is now British Petroleum, and they're coming from the big city life. And even though Dallas is a, a metropolitan area, they thought they were coming to a, a small city. And right. th- there was that transition of... You know, what was my life in New York or my life in L.A., okay? Um, What is true today, right now, you know, is that I'm not as comfortable here. I don't, I'm I'm away from family. I don't, I'm not rooting for the Yankees or I'm not rooting for this (laughs) other team. You know, you have the, you have the football and, and basketball and baseball teams of Dallas. And so it took a while for people to adapt, but you know what when they did when they saw what was here and what and what is reality and the good things about that transit about that transition then they were able to move on so i think that's what you're really talking about am i correct uh yeah, I, ab- yes absolutely and the adaptive leader today would understand that people need to kind of wrestle with that in between place for a while they need to hear their their loss, perhaps, or their conflict with losing what was, and just acknowledge what's true now and not say, ah, you'll get over it, everything will be okay. It's like, yeah, I know it's hard. I mean, so they need to mold their employees into being adaptable. You use that word in your description. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have to be able to embrace curiosity and you have to be able to embrace not knowing. And that's not easy for a lot of people. No, it isn't. So, um Going along that theme, um, and maybe you'll get into it when we, and, uh, during our second segment when we'll be talking more about coaching, but right now, what are some ways that leaders can help people, help their employees, help their staff, help their family, in fact, may adapt during this transition period? Well, the best way is to not be ignorant about that everybody's going to have their own unique process. So Mm -hmm. if possible, it would be great to have, you know, one-on-ones or group discussions to not be afraid to ask people, what's it like? How can I support you? What would be helpful? And not try to give a quick fix like, you know, do this, or here, I got you tickets to the Dallas Cowboys. You know, that's supposed to make them feel better. Um, (laughs) It might, but it's still not acknowledging what the change is for them. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. listen with a focus, these are the skills I teach in coaching. I mean, listen with a focus and really listen. Don't interrupt and don't feel you have to fix. 
it, it's okay to say, you know, we'll have to keep talking about this and figure out ways for over time for you to feel more comfortable being here. Um, they have to be sensitive. Today, that's called emotional intelligence. It wasn't called that back in right. the 70s. Um, so I think not to be afraid to engage in conversation uh, with as many people as possible. Um, probably what we're talking about is not going to affect customers as much as it is employees. Right. So um, <clears throat> as you mentioned, customers, um, <clears throat> You know, uh, customers have to get used to change. Yeah. Um, I, I give you a perfect example. I shop, uh, grocery shop at one store. Won't say which one. I know exactly what I want. I go there. I get a certain kind of yogurt and in a certain size. And guess what? They're no longer carrying that. <laughs> and I'm not a happy camper. <laughs> right. So how do you help customers deal with obvious changes in your service or your product line? Well, the smart companies prepare customers for change, and, uh, you know, they don't just say, hey, we're changing this and this and this, but try to put it in a positive frame, that we're evolving our choices or repertoire or whatever, and, and they, they do focus groups with a few people. What would it be like for you if? Or what do you like about, uh, you know, I mean, I know we're talking about market research and maybe small business owners can't really do it in the formal way, but even a like a state farm agent can certainly check with current customers that they know personally and say, I want to hear your, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your opinion here about some changes we're making. Uh, maybe you're going to go more automated or maybe, um, you know, you're going to do something differently in the way you communicate with people. Maybe there's technical things people that aren't up to date with uh, iPads and iPods and all that stuff, maybe they don't like that. Maybe they still want to get a paper bill and see a real agent. Um, so it's kind of helping people step into the future is what I'm talking about. And I think what you're also saying is, I think, a, a couple things. Change is ine inevitable. I mean, Absolutely. that we can't stop change, okay, yeah. number one. Number two, companies to be competitive need to change. Uh, you know, so that's number two. And I think number three, which is, um, you know, letting people, well, two things, letting people know of the change, but more importantly, maybe testing the change that you envision for your company, whether it's big or small, with the people who are going to be dealing with it, whether it is employees or customers. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I, am I correct on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. The best you can. Um, I mean, here's the thing. We, we may, some people have change thrust upon them mm -hmm. and other people make predictable change. We kind of know what the plans are for our new products or our new plan or our new communication strategies. And they may not always go to plan, but you do have a strategy for changes you want to make. Other times, change is forced upon you. Maybe mm -hmm. there's some new regulation. Maybe there's some new competition. Um, so it's you know it's keeping abreast and good leaders always look around the corner. <laughs> they're they're always seeing around the corner and and involving others uh, in the conversation. Well, Pat, we have about a minute before we're coming up to a break. So is there you know finish with one thought? Uh, you talked about um, um, leaders having to look around the corner. Anything else you can say well, in the yeah, next thirty actually, seconds or so? Actually, yeah, perfect. Here's a good one. There's a famous Einstein quote that speaks directly to what we're saying. And Einstein said, we can't solve our current challenges with the consciousness that created them. Wow. 
So you can't serve our our. Can you repeat that again? Problems with the consciousness that created them. So in other words, you have to think of new ways because your your consciousness created this problem. You can't solve it if you keep thinking the way you've always thought. So on that note, it's time for a short break. This is Marsha's Idol, Smart Moves Coach. You're listening to The Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth on Voice America's business channel. When we return, Pat will talk more about how to be a successful business leader and we'll get into how to successfully coach others. So stay tuned. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the smart moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Where will your business be five years from now? Will you be soaring or just getting by? Of course you want to grow and prosper, but with growth comes bigger headaches. More hiring, more capital, more customers to satisfy, more plates to juggle, more stress, and more demands on your time. Yes, there is a solution. It's the Smart Growth System, created by Marsha Zidal, executive coach to business leaders. It will give you the tools to take the growing pains out of growth. Get a free consultation and assessment from Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome, listeners. This is Marsha Zottle, your Smart Moves Coach, and I am with talking with Dr. Pat Williams on how to be a successful leader. And we we focused on what the difference was between adaptive leadership and technical leadership. We talked about change and some change is predictable and some change isn't and how people deal with that. Now we're going to move to some real live examples. And Dr. Pat has been a coach to executives for, for many years. And so, you know, the first, what I'd like to know about is, um, how are you using adaptive leadership in coaching these top executives? You know, Marsha, I think the whole concept of coaching came out of this need. Because if I think back to, I started coaching in 1990. And, of course, there's been a lot of research and a lot of evolution in the field since then, since it's more out in the general public and not just hidden in corporations. But I think it's always been about adapting. And, and it used to be that executives were sent to me because they were in trouble. 
<laughs> they, they needed to get coaching to make a turnaround in their behavior or their management or their leadership style, and they usually got six months of coaching to get back on track or else. We call that remedial coaching. But nowadays, most coach, most executives are coached because they know it helps them be more optimal, more functional, more um, more effective as a leader, and to have a coach outside their arena is smart, and many corporations have internal coaches. So the way I work with executives and using this adaptive leadership model is it's always, it's not about me telling them what they already know, or they can get a consultant who's got the technical um, understanding of the problem. This is about adapting. It's always about adapting to the ever-changing environment. How would you like it to be? What's not going the way you want it to? What new products do you want to create or what's your competition making you change? Uh, so those sorts of things. And you notice those were all questions. The model that I show executives in my work with them and also teach them is to be more inquisitive and less definitive. <laughs> so if you think you know the answer to an employee's problem, you might be right. But what if you're not? Then who gets blamed for being wrong? And if you are right, what are you teaching the employee? You're disempowering them to think outside the box or to be complimented for thinking of something creatively. So I actually not only model coaching for my executives, but I teach them to use a coach approach within their work, their working relationship. Now, they're still going to be the boss. They're still going to be the higher up or the report. Uh, so they can't be a confidential, you know, external coach like I am. But the mm-hmm. coaching conversation can be very useful, and I teach them that. So tell me a little more about that coaching conversation. What, how does it go? You know, well, um, you know I don't, maybe uh, many of our listeners aren't familiar with that. I am because I am a coach now. But um, uh, how, what is that conversation, and how does it start, and what's the middle, and what's the end? And t- tell our listeners about that. Yeah, that's great. So if, if I'm hired to be a coach and what I model for them is not consulting, I'm not coming in with, here's what will fix your problem, do this, and everything will be okay. I'm coming in to really be um, uh, a questioner. You know, I mean, I'm there to gather information and help them think what they've not thought, say what they've not said, and say it out loud to somebody who is objective and, and confidential. So the mm-hmm. coaching conversation that we talk about is being able to listen with a focus. So I do this with them, and they can learn to do this with their employees, to really listen. Don't interrupt. Don't shift to me too. Don't uh, say, excuse me, I have to answer my cell phone. You know, that's not listening. So listen with a focus. Pre- create a presence where you're really there for the person, whether it's seven minutes or an hour. Um, ask more questions than you give statements. Ask, and not, not esoteric questions, just simple questions like, well, how would you like it to be? Mm-hmm. Or what would you like to be different about that? Or what's the biggest challenge you're facing? And then say things so like, and what else? And could you tell me more? So those are just questions that help the person who's being listened to evoke new thinking. And then the last part of coaching is some co-creation of possibilities. So we brainstorm, we think out loud what could be done, but the responsibility and the accountability is always turned over to the person we're listening to. For them to get what they want, they can check in with the leader, they can have some sort of feedback mechanism, but ultimately you want to coach the employee 
to do something differently than they've been doing and not look to you for the answers. Now, that's an adaptive leadership. You may have some technical answers on how to work this thing. Or what's the employee handbook say about this? Or how do I work this new uh, copy machine? You know, and things simple as that or more complex. The adaptive leadership comes in with a constant changing environment and the creativity that comes with being the best company you can be. So, uh, you know, the um, it's quite a responsibility of a leader to know when to move into technical leadership and when to move into adaptive leadership. And I would think that you also work with them to know the difference and what, you know, what to do when it's technical and what to do when it's adaptive. Um, yeah, not only that, but to admit when you don't know. <laughs> let's, think, let's think about this. Do we have any technical responses to this that will solve some of this? Um, you know, what, what's needed, what's missing, what would be a resource that we haven't tapped? But you can even ask that to the employee. A leader doesn't look weak by involving uh, the wisdom of the people that they uh, coach or employ. Mm-hmm. Actually, you get the group wisdom that way. People on the ground know much more about the widgets that the company's making than the CEO does. I, I definitely, definitely agree with you. Um, and I believe Sam Walton, who started Walmart, said something like, um, get to know your people because they yeah. know what's going on, yeah. especially your frontline people. And I think right. that's what you're saying is tap the knowledge of your people versus telling them what to do. Well, and he also modeled the old principle of management by walking around. He walked around the first stores there in Arkansas. Now, when it got worldwide, of course, he couldn't do that. But he urged his managers to do that. Get out on the floor. Don't just hide in your ivory tower office or your executive suite. Go find out what, what's on the floor from the customers and from your employees. Um, right. You know, the CEO of JetBlue used to do that. He used to go on every flight out of New York for a while to, to be on the plane to see what, was, what he could learn. Right. So, you know, you talked about, you know, uh, like um, coaching top executives and in adaptive leadership. You've coached them in, and then you've taught them how to coach their their employees, their staff. Um, can you g- give some um, some uh, more some examples or stories about a, um, a leader who has coached a subordinate or an employee in terms of adaptive leadership and that and that coaching conversation? Oh, yeah, I've got many examples, and I can't, you know, due to confidentiality, I can't say who the company is. I mean, I, I, it was okay for me to say who I worked for in the past because they gave endorsements to me in the early days. But let's say I worked with a government agency and uh, got a high-level manager who had a team to work with, as most of them do, uh, a variety of skill sets and personality styles. And so couldn't be their company. You don't want to become a confidential coach where people come in and, and tell you they're you know, gossipy stories. You want to be a coach that helps elicit quality, um, work behavior, what we call today emotional intelligence, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And the example that I give is somebody who was high up in a position who was getting burned out because they kept trying to solve the problems for the team instead of gathering the team and gathering individual conversations to say, what's your idea? I want to, I want to hear, I'm really, I want to hear something you've thought about. There's no judgment here. So be willing to hear what you haven't heard and to be, to, you can't be non-judgmental. I say instead you have to, um, you have to uh, suspend judgment because mm-hmm. we tend to be judgmental even though we don't want to be. 
So to have them get out on the floor, to have them get with the team, in civic leadership, we call that listening to unusual voices, getting people to the table who don't usually get heard. Uh, you know, that, I do that a lot in my nonprofit management. If you're going to talk about solving a problem like community uh, unemployment, get some of the people who are unemployed to be part of the conversation. <laughs> Um, so the same thing would go in the workforce to get some of the people who work on the product or to work on the service mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and ask them, what are their thoughts? What would improve work? What would improve this system? Can you give an example of, without getting into confidentiality, what some of the suggestions were to improve either the product, the service, or the program um, from your experience? Well, a lot of times it was very simple. Could we have some sort of a Monday morning group email that would just update people on things? Instead of having meeting after meeting after meeting, would there be a way to funnel the ideas through our internal, uh, they use Lotus Notes, so an internal system that wouldn't go out to everybody that could just be kind of an idea holder? Mm-hmm, and then, mm-hmm. and then they had a project chart put in their coffee room that people could see who's responsible for what and the progress mm-hmm. that's being made. So it was co-accountability and many, many more things like that. Those are very simple. And those may sound like technical solutions, but they, they weren't technical until somebody thought of them. So the adaptive leadership sometimes creates new technical solutions, new ways of doing things that can be systematized. You know, you reminded me of a, uh, of a, um, uh, actually I was doing training at a factory uh, many uh-huh. years ago and they had three shifts and the, I was working with the supervisors and the supervisors uh, didn't know what was going on from first shift to second shift to third shift. They thought they were communicating, but they weren't. And someone came up with a simple idea and I think it reinforces what you said, have a board. You know, have a board, right. and right. before the first shift supervisor goes off, he puts on the board what's done, what isn't done, what needs to be done, and then and the same thing from the second uh, shift supervisor to the third shift su- supervisor. This was simple. <laughs> right, 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 and that's an example where leadership is an activity, not a role. So you don't, you can have somebody who's not a designated leader; they're not hired to be a supervisor, but they may take that role on of being the scribe. You know, that's just a position they take. You actually remind me of something. If we've got time, I'll just tell you real quick. Uh, when I we used have to also... about 30 seconds, so okay. maybe if you want to hold it till we come back from our break, okay. and then we can start with that. Okay. So, listeners, it's time for a short break. This is Marsha Zidal, Smart Moves Coach. You're listening to The Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth on Voice America's business channel. When we return, Dr. Pat will talk more about how to be a successful business leader and, 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 and start with a story that he would like to tell us. So stay tuned. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
Where will your business be five years from now? Will you be soaring or just getting by? Of course you want to grow and prosper, but with growth comes bigger headaches. More hiring, more capital, more customers to satisfy, more plates to juggle, more stress, and more demands on your time. Yes, there is a solution. It's the Smart Growth System, created by Marsha Zidal, executive coach to business leaders. It will give you the tools to take the growing pains out of growth. Get a free consultation and assessment from Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the smart moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome. This is Marsha's Idol, Smart Moves Coach, and I'm talking with Dr. Pat Williams about how to be a successful leader. And when at the end of the last segment, he was about to uh, tell a story that represents adaptive leadership. So, Pat, why, you're on now. Yeah, right before the break, Marcia, you were mentioning something about uh, some done, uh, a company that had three shifts and somebody trying to learn about the night shifts and they didn't know how to pass on the information. And it reminded me of a very early coaching assignment I got working with a um, fire department, a community fire department in Colorado, who did have the three shifts. People would work like 12-hour days, you know, four days on, three days off sort of thing. And they wanted a training done for all their employees, and they expected the people who had the night shift to come to a day training workshop. Well, that's usually when they're sleeping. <laughs> so my role to be um, be authentic and to be you know, speaking the words of adaptable said, well, I'll come at your shift. So I actually did a training at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and, and the employer, I mean the chief of the fire department, learned a lot from that and started asking his supervisors to um, several times a year to change their own shift and mm-hmm. just to be visible for part of the time at a at a odd shift because it shows support for those employees. But you also learn a lot. You learn what's going on, what's different, how's the adaption done for the people that work the night shift. And I think that's an example of adapting to the environment and, and not making assumptions. Assumptions will bite you in the you-know-what. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, and it also shows authority versus leadership. They know you have the authority, perhaps, but you show real leadership when you show a caring toward the employees that that work in the different environments than you're aware of. Well, just to um, give another example, um, where I live in in Dallas, there is a community 
uh, that has a Citizens Fire Academy and a Citizens Police Academy. And I actually, my whole family was part of the Citizens uh, Fire Academy. And we did go to different fire stations, went on different shifts, rode with the fire engines. It was it was really interesting. But what I found looking at it for, with the uh, um, uh, my hat on as a consultant back then, or if you want to say coach, was that each station was different. Each shift was different. Yes, very much. Uh, and it, it, I mean, this, this relates to what you're talking about. If you are now in charge of, say, four fire stations or four divisions or four departments, whatever it is, you need to realize that each one is different and each has yep. different ways of doing things. So um, I learned that very early um, as a volunteer and as a citizen. Um, I'd like to move on because – um, we're, you know, culture is a very big these days, corporate culture. And in fact, next week I'll be having someone who will be talking about corporate culture. But I would like your point of view about how to develop a strong corporate culture where everyone can feel part of the outcomes, where everyone feels that they have a say in what's going on or at least a say in how to solve a problem. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the ideal, right? And I and I can name many companies who have adapted a culture where they're more transparent, they're more open. Everybody knows still, still knows who's the decision maker, but the decisions aren't made in a vacuum. The old command and control, where you know I'm the manager, and if you don't like it, it's my way or the highway. That those companies don't tend to get long-term employees or happy employees very long. The, the younger people today have a motto: "Have resume, will travel." You know, and if you don't, uh, if you don't want good workers, then, uh, you better, or if you do want good workers, you better have this cult, corporate culture idea where people feel they're part of the creativity. Let's take the example of telecommuting. You know, a lot of companies worried about, well, if I let them telecommute and work at home, how do I know they're doing the work? How do I know they're working the hours? Well, does it really matter if they get their work done? I mean, if they've got an assignment and they get their work done and it's got a, um, you can quantify it, monetize it, then it really doesn't matter because people today are working all the time anyway, even off hours if they've got work email or something like that. So it's to be creative. Um, the most creative companies you can think of, like Zappos and Google, I mean, they <laughs> they have skateboarding down the hallways and people can wear whatever they want, but that's a generational company. You know, that's really created by generation X and generation Y sort of thing. It's not the same as going into an IBM plant, right? Right. So corporate culture comes from being willing to find a way to be transparent and to get the opinions and knowledge and ideas from everybody clear down to the janitor. It doesn't mean you have to implement what they're suggesting, but they want to be heard. And if the decision is not made the way they wanted it, at least they feel they were heard. The research will back that up. So culture change is being conscious and purposeful about what kind of culture do we want rather than having the culture be defined by chaos and crisis. There again, that's adapting leadership. You know, every organization faces two competing demands. It has to execute current activities and Mm-hmm. and um, strategies and adapt those same activities to face future opportunities. So it's to do what you have with what you know and to also take what you don't know and learn. In coaching, we call this being comfortable with not knowing or being curious 
Uh, I always say experimenting, you know, do experiments. Let's try it this way. And that just yields results, not failures. A lot of people have created products that didn't work out. Uh, you can think of some like Apple's mapping system and other companies created something that didn't work. And that was probably after a lot of review. But somebody didn't ask the right person. <laughs> and I think that's a, that's a result. So what do they do? They fix it. You know, they don't call it a failure. They just, what do we learn? What do we do different? Well, I think this is an extremely important point because if you want people to be creative and to come up with new ideas or new ways of doing things or new products or services, then you have to give them permission yes. to make mistakes, yes. to not get it right the first time. Um, can you talk about that a bit more? Well, I give you the best story that probably uh, represents that is, is, and I've done this with several companies, uh, even city departments. Again, I won't name them, but the example is to create a coaching culture. Mm-hmm. So, let's say there's a team of 30 employees in the water department of a city, and this is an actual story. And they all got basic coach training, and they also got a, a people map assessment from a colleague of mine that created that very simple assessment on personality style. Mm-hmm. And what we did to create a coaching culture was they started, everybody got taught the essentials of coaching, what I went over earlier, how to have a coaching conversation. So then when people started complaining in the coffee room or the coffee room, people could say, oh, you sound really frustrated with this. Would you like some coaching on that? Or the person who is frustrated says, there I go again. You know, I could really use some coaching. And that's a lot different than the status quo, which is to bitch, moan, and whine, what I call a BMW session. So they started putting posters up in their offices and their hallway. Have you used a coach today? Have you offered coaching today? Just little reminders that we embrace the concept of coaching to be co-creative in solving a problem. Complaining doesn't do any good. Right. And in that coaching process, I would imagine that um, people are given permission to come up with ideas. And even if the ideas are way off base, that they are recognized for giving that idea. Um, and, and, And again, going back to to making sure that people are not punished for off the wall ideas or for making a, a, a mistake. I would think right. that's part of that coaching process as well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a real honest willingness to listen. And that means to hear, not just hear the words, but to really listen. And you don't have to come back with a debate. No, 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 we can't do that. You just have to say, <laughs> tell me more. Help me understand more. So how would this be? And, and you don't make a decision. You just absorb the information and thank them for their thinking. And I think that's the other point that needs to be brought out, which is when you query your employees, your staff, whether it's one-on-one or in a group, and you are eliciting ideas from them, um, you're there to li- you're there to take it all in, but ultimately. Uh, the leader may make that decision so that right. the leader doesn't feel that he has to implement everything that the employee says. Am I correct right. on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So we have about two more minutes before the end of this break. Um, 
what else would you like to, to mention about uh, corporate culture? Because one of the things that I find so um, ineffective is to put a motto on the wall or on your website that this is our culture and think right. that that's going to happen. How do you really implement the culture? And you have about a minute and a half to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's great. I mean, if you have a mission and values, that's great. But do you stand by them? So how do you how do you encourage dialogue? It, it's way more than an idea box than that. I think you have to be willing to have, I call them coaching conversations, because they're the ones that get to the creative, uh, adaptive ideas. Um, so you need to have an open-door policy, you know, that people can come in and, if your door is open, that means you're available. If it's shut, it means you're in a busy meeting. Um, get, get a coach. I mean, if you're a company that can afford a company coach, and I would say if you did afford one, you'd probably find the bottom line would increase too because decisions would be made more smartly, mm-hmm. is start to model that. Um, take some trainings on adaptive leadership and the coach approach and start to implement it into your, into your workplace. And maybe collaborate with other business leaders in a non-competitive field. How are they doing it? You know, I, I did that a lot, created a sounding board for presidents of non-competing companies, and they can help each other with problems because they weren't helping a competitor. Right. So you've given some really great ideas about uh, corporate culture, and now it's time for a short break. Uh, this is Marsha Zidal, Smart Moves Coach. You're listening to The Business Edge, taking the growing pains out of growth on Voice America's business channel. When we return, Pat is going to be telling you about two two uh, programs that he, uh, that he, he wants you to be aware of and um, and then how to contact him. So tune in for our last segment. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Where will your business be five years from now? Will you be soaring or just getting by? Of course you want to grow and prosper, but with growth comes bigger headaches. More hiring, more capital, more customers to satisfy, more plates to juggle, more stress, and more demands on your time. Yes, there is a solution. It's the Smart Growth System, created by Marsha Zidal, executive coach to business leaders. It will give you the tools to take the growing pains out of growth. Get a free consultation and assessment from Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. 
That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at smartmovescoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome back, listeners. This is Marsha Zidle, your Smart Moves Coach. And I've been talking with Dr. Pat Williams about how to be a successful leader and about adaptive leadership. I had mentioned in my introduction that he's founder of a school of ILCT and got a reward, uh, an award for uh, the Global Village Initiative. So, Dr. Pat, why don't you tell the, the uh, listeners about those two, um, two things, and you have about two minutes to do that. Okay, great. Well, we talked a lot about adaptive leadership with the coaching component being a uh, a very important part. So I'm very proud that I created a coach training school back in 1998. We trained thousands of people, and our training is all done by teleseminars so people don't have to travel, um, and the technology today makes that very easy. So the Institute for Life Coach Training's website is www.lifecoachtraining.com. And I would say to people that even though it says life coach training, it's not, you know, that that's, uh, that's what we teach because anybody you coach, you're coaching their life. It could be their business life, personal life, um, health, whatever. So it's a whole person approach to the, to the human being that you're coaching. And if anybody is interested from your community, this business community, in taking some training, we do have a business coaching specialist that's an 80-hour uh, certificate program, but they start with a foundational course, and I have a coupon code if they're interested in getting a discount for that, and the code is RADIO, R-A-D-I-O, that's RADIO, so if they go to lifecoachtraining.com, look for the course called the Foundational Coaching Course, use that coupon, they'll get a discount. The other site is the nonprofit I created after years of bringing coaching to high-powered executives. I wanted to reach the underserved of the world. And they can read about that at coachingtheglobalvillage.org. We coach for nonprofit organizations in Europe and Africa and Haiti, et cetera, but also right here in our own backyard. So take a look, read some of the news. And if you've got any interest, you can write me at pat, P-A-T, at lifecoachtraining.com. Well, thank you so much. I'll call you Dr. Pat. Um, and um, thoroughly enjoyed uh, the interview with you about how to be a successful leader, adaptive versus technical leadership. Well, thank you, Pat. And if you want to stay online, you can because it's now time for Marsha's Musings. What's happening out there? So, listeners, as an executive coach to business leaders, I often find they quickly embrace change themselves, but don't know how to bring along their employees. So, how do you get everyone on board the change train that is gaining speed and heading out of the station? In the children's book, Green Eggs and Ham, by Dr. Seuss, an anonymous character refuses to accept an offering of green eggs and ham. You'll like it, says Sam. After much hesitation, the character finally agrees to try them. It turns out he absolutely loves this unusual dish. So what gets in the way of people accepting something that's new or different? Change, whether it's seen as good or bad, is disruptive because it challenges the status quo. As human beings, we tend to like things the way they are. It's comfortable, it's familiar, 
It's yellow eggs, not green eggs. So how do you as a leader get people's buy-in to the changes that are necessary for your organization's survival and success? Here are three reasons why people resist change and tactics to turn them around. Reason number one, surprise, surprise. Managers frequently make this mistake when introducing change. They wait until all the decisions are made and then spring them on unsuspecting employees. The first response of most people, including me, is something to, to something totally new and unexpected is resistance. People dig in their heels. They don't want to do it. They don't like it. It's not going to work. So what's a smart move? So here is an, your first tactic. Give people advance notice. Then they can take time to adjust their thinking and begin planning for the change. Even as a leader, if you don't have all the answers, say so. Otherwise, people will make up something to fill the void. And that's how rumors start. So that is the first reason. Surprise, surprise. Here's the second reason why people resist change. Loss of control. Change is exciting when it's done by us, threatening when it's done to us. If people feel out of control, feel powerless, they're more likely to complain, drag their feet, or become territorial. So how do you deal with this? Here is smart moves number two. Get people involved. Although the decision about the specific change has been made, those affected can have input into its implementation. They can decide how to arrange the office, how to figure out lunch, rotation, or whatever. And that's what we ta- Dr. Pat Williams talked about, is getting people's input, getting their ideas. That is a sign of adaptive leadership. So now we go to the third reason why people resist change, and that is excess uncertainty. If people don't know what the next step is or where it is going to take them, any change will seem dangerous. It's like walking off a cliff blindfolded. So how do you deal with this? Here's your smart moves number three. Communicate. Provide information at every step of the change process. People can then focus on one step at a time and feel they're not being asked to take that big leap. Do it in small steps. Let people know what what they're getting into and the why, the reason behind. So your final smart moves tip. Change creates uncertainty for people about their job, their responsibilities, and their livelihoods. They're asking, will I have a job? What will I be doing? Will it be here? Am I going to move someplace else? Will I have my same manager or I'm going to have new management? Will I be working with the same people or am I going to have a different team? You must realize that their body is at work, but many times not their head and heart. You have to take care of the, quote, me issues quickly so that people can turn their focus 
from resistance to commitment. Listeners out there, how well are you getting everyone on board the change train? Let me show you how to get on the right track and stay on the right track. Contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com or call 972-380-9181. When you do, I'll send you 60 ways to build a profitable business. Now, next week's program is Leading Change by Changing the Way You Lead. My guest is Paul Spiegelman, Chief Culture Officer of Sterocycle, a global service organization with 13,000 employees. As a former CEO of Barrel Health, Paul led a unique people-centric culture for a company that won nine Best Places place to Work awards, including the number two best medium-sized company to work for in America. Paul is going to talk about how to create and discover the culture in your organization. I'll end with my favorite saying, there are three kinds of people in this world, those who make it happen, those who let it happen, those who ask, what happened? Which one are you? If you're highly motivated to make it happen, let me help you make it happen. Call me now for a free consult at 972-380-9181 or email Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Thank you for listening. Tune in every week, 11 a.m. Pacific, for the Business Edge with Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves executive coach and speaker, helping entrepreneurs and business leaders take their company firmer practice to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to take the growing pains out of growth. You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal. Please join us again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy taking your business to the next level. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 